What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Rachel Bean on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Rachel, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like with your story. Well, hello. Thank you for having me. Um, so my story, it, I feel like it's not it's not typical because I don't think miscarriage should be typical, but it kind of unfolded in the way that I didn't know a lot about miscarriage until it happened to me. Um, so my husband and I, we met in August of 2015. We were like just barely 21 working at a preschool together. And we ended up starting to date about a month later. And then we got engaged in May of 2018. And we ended up actually getting married on the 4th of July last year on a Thursday. Um, my husband had this dream of getting married on the 4th of July. So we just kind of made it work. And it was fun and exciting. And after we got married, we just really were ready and just wanted to have a family because he came from a big family. I came from a pretty big family and kids were always just part of that dream. So shortly after we got married, I stopped taking birth control after almost 10 years and just kind of started tracking for more so information than anything else. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, And because I had been on birth control for so long, I didn't know what my cycle was, what my body was going to do. And so it was more so just trying to just learn how it all works because we had no idea what it meant to try to get pregnant. We thought it would be a lot easier than it actually was. Um, It wasn't until COVID happened in March that we were like, okay, we're just going to kind of put the brakes on everything and just, see what happens in the world because we just weren't sure what anything was going to happen. My husband's in real estate. I'm in preschool still. And so we just weren't, weren't quite sure. Um, then actually two months later in March, I found out I was pregnant. I had, uh, gotten super sick on a Tuesday and didn't think anything of it. Cause again, I teach preschool. I was just like, Oh, it's probably one of the kid germs, got food poisoning, anything like that. And then on the following Friday, I woke up And I realized, oh man, I might be pregnant just based off of different symptoms, but it was still early. So I took a pregnancy test and got the faintest positive. And I didn't want to believe it because one, I've had faint positives before and it turned out just, it was nothing. And then also my husband and I were in the process of trying to buy a house and we were going to find out if we got the house or not. And so I was like, I can't take two no's from the universe today. So I'm just going to pretend like this wasn't happening. And so I went to work and still just couldn't get this gut feeling out. I later found out my husband and I didn't get the house. And so I was really just like, all right, God, I hear you on that. No. And I know your plans are always better, but I'm not taking another no. So I'm just not even gonna consider the fact that I'm pregnant. I'm just going to pretend and just take on the day as it is. Um, And by the time I got home, it was just so evident in my heart. And I was like, oh my gosh, this could be a thing. I need to just clarify. So I took another test and it came out positive. 
And so I was like, okay, I've had one and I've had two. We're just going to go with it. And I kind of had my freak out moment, but then I put the test back into their little packaging. And I always thought I was going to tell my husband in a super sweet, cute way. But I literally, with we had nieces and nephews over. It was a crazy Friday afternoon. I pulled them into our room and I was like, hey, I have something for you. And I handed him the packages and he had no idea what it was, pulled it out. It kind of all came to realization. And we, uh, we were just terrified and excited and just decided we're going to take it on and we're just going to do this. And we got pregnant in the middle of a quarantine pandemic and our life is never boring and we never do anything by the books. So we were just excited and ready to take on this next adventure. It was actually Memorial Day weekend and our friends, um, we were all going to go up to a cabin. We were safe and quarantined and all the things. And so our friends, um, were asking what drinks we wanted and everything. And I had told my husband, Hey, they're going to know if I'm not having a glass of wine or a beer or whatever. And so we kind of just sat there and I think it was one of those things where unless you're in the situation, you just really don't know. Um, cause we had always said, Oh, we would wait 12 weeks and tell our, to tell our family and friends, like make sure everything was fine at the doctor's office. But no one in his family besides his sister had miscarried. And then really no one close to my age and my family had miscarried. So it just was never on our radar. And so we entered the weekend just with joy and excitement. And we were like, we're just going to tell our friends and that's just what it's going to be. And it ended up being one of our most favorite moments telling our friends because just the amount of love and support that we had. And so we enjoyed that weekend. and at the end of it, we were able to tell more family. And for the most part, everybody was really excited for us and just, hey, we're going to take it on. I know it's early, but baby's healthy. Rachel's healthy. Like Tyler's healthy. We're just like, this is our next new adventure. Um, we, of course, had a couple of people that were like, oh, should you be telling people early? But Tyler and I both just decided we weren't going to play into the spirit of fear and we were just going to keep doing what we were doing. And just assuming that I was healthy and I had my first prenatal visit virtually, which is very weird, but they were like, well, how many positive pregnancy tests have you had? And at that time I had taken probably six because I still just didn't believe it. And so they're like, okay, you're not going to get six positives and not actually be pregnant. Like this is all the information. First ultrasound is going to be on June 18th. So we were just kind of holding on waiting for June 18th. I am a very anxious person. I dealt with anxiety as a kid. I um, had some PTSD to work through from my childhood and some in an abusive relationship when I was in high school. And so I really just thought my anxiety was kind of playing into this fear that something was wrong. Looking back, I'm wondering if it was a little bit of an intuition type thing, but I still just kept pushing on the fact that like God's promise is good and we were going to be okay. And I hadn't had any reason to believe anything was wrong. Um, it was just kind of in my gut. So I was going back and forth between fear and just normal nervousness. Um, then the Friday, the Thursday before our appointment, I had started spotting. And again, I knew that was normal. So I called and they had, um, 
just reassured me that it was normal and to call if anything changed. And so the next day on Friday, um, I had started bleeding more and I was like, this isn't normal. And I just really needed to come in. And so my husband and I went into the doctor's office and we got into an ultrasound. And the minute we got in there, we saw the heartbeat. It was still really early, um, but we got to see our baby's heartbeat. And it was the greatest sigh of relief that we both ever felt because we had all this excitement. And then when I had started bleeding, we just weren't sure what it was because we'd never, I'd never been pregnant. He's never like been pregnant. And so we just weren't sure. And I will cherish that moment. And I'm so thankful for the intuition to go in early because had we not, we would have missed, missed the heartbeat. Um, the doctors were looking for a heartbeat of 100 to 120 and we had 112. And so we had hope and they had said everything looked healthy, everything looked good. Um, and that they would call me with my blood results later in the afternoon and kind of let us know what's going on just to monitor the bleeding and kind of rest for the rest of the weekend. So I actually had a counseling appointment later that afternoon and, um, or later, yeah, later that afternoon. And so it was probably about an hour and I was at my appointment and the doctor called. And so I left my appointment to answer it. And she was like, Hey, so I have some news. And I kind of just knew in that moment that things were probably not okay, just based off her voice. And she said, your baby has a heartbeat, which is good, but you also have a bleed. And so, and I, again, knew nothing. And so I was just trying to get as much information. And she said, both are normal for a miscarriage and a healthy pregnancy. And there's not much we can do besides rest and wait. And so she encouraged us to go home and just kind of rest for the weekend and then come back on Sunday and get my blood work done. And she said she didn't want to tell me my HGC levels until we had somewhere to base them off of because she didn't want me to worry. And so it was almost like Tyler and I had an hour of just relief and joy and hope that everything was going to be okay. And then it kind of felt like the world bottomed out, but we still were like, okay, it's going to be fine. We believe in the power of prayer. Our families were praying for us. Our friends were praying for us. Like we had so many people just encouraging us that it was going to be fine, that we were going to power through it. And um, I woke up Saturday and still wasn't cramping, but I was bleeding heavier and my breast didn't hurt anymore. And that's kind of when I had the realization that this wasn't okay. Um, the doctor still was not wanting to push us to come in because of the quarantine and the virus and everything, but just because I wasn't cramping. Um, and then I, uh, just because I hadn't, like my breasts weren't hurting and I just wasn't really feeling sick anymore. I was feeling more, I don't want to say normal, but how I feel when when I wasn't pregnant, I, it was just the longest Saturday. Like my husband and I, we literally stayed home and I did, and I tried to sleep and it wasn't until probably Saturday afternoon, my husband had to run out for something in the house. And, uh, 
I remember laying on the floor and just screaming at God to not take my baby. And I think in those moments, I knew that this was over, but I was just really hoping that it wasn't and like trying to think of all the things that I could do in life to make up for it, to make it better, to fix it. Like I went back to everything wrong I could have ever done in life and why we deserved it. And it was just one of those moments that I won't ever forget in just complete darkness. Um, and so I kind of picked myself up off the floor and was like, okay, like I'm either going to fight or I'm going to just let this go. And so I just decided we're just going to fight. And so then Sunday morning we woke up and I had so much bleeding and so much clotting and, um, but still no cramping. And so I kind of, once again, I was like, Oh my gosh, when is this going to end? We just need to know one way or the other. Um, and so I called the on-call doctor and told her I'm not cramping, not really sick, but I am clotting really bad. And so she had said it could be the hemorrhage bleed passing and to come in, get my blood drawn. Um, and then if the bleeding gets uncontrollable to come in and so we went in got the test done still was bleeding and then Sunday night um, we got an email and it because it was the weekend we got an email basically confirming that we had miscarried our blood test results were not where they needed to be they weren't optimistic and they were just sorry but that was just kind of it and so we had like this loneliness and this isolation and then we just get this email and our world bottomed out. I don't, my husband is one of the most kind and happy and joyful people I've ever met. He's always an optimistic and I don't think I've ever seen a soul shatter like my husband's did. And having to like hand him my phone cause I couldn't even read the email to him. Um, but it just, our, we had fallen in love with a heartbeat and with a baby and a soul. And we had so much dreams for our future and they just in one email went away. And, um, then eventually the contractions and the cramping started and it just was like its own sick form of torture. I wouldn't ever wish it on anybody else. We were very lucky to not have to need to go in for a DNC or take medicine. It all happened naturally at home. Uh, but with COVID and everything going on, we were alone and our family was loving us the best they could from a distance. But it just, those are some of, again, the darkest moments that we've ever faced as a couple and individually. And we had just no hope in the world. And we just couldn't figure out what we did or didn't do to deserve it. And then we, so I took the week off work because I was like, there's no way I can do this and show up for my preschoolers. And Tyler took the week off of work. And so we just kind of let everything soak in. Um, Monday morning, I woke up at four in the morning and little did I know I was going to wake up at four in the morning, every morning for the rest of the next two weeks. Um, but on that Monday, the day after we miscarried, I had a dream about giving birth to our daughter and we were early enough to know that it was a daughter, but my husband believed with his whole entire being the whole time that it was a girl. And then I had a dream confirming it was a girl. So we 
as part of just our way of completing our family and getting through this time is we um we just decided it was a daughter it was our daughter and uh so I had a dream about giving birth to her and then she flew away and so we were calling her little bird for a little while and then um later in the week I was just kind of laying in bed thinking about everything and the word joy got placed on my heart based off of um just how much joy we had in our future and plans and everything. And uh, so we've been calling her Joybird. And so the next week was really just a blur. Um, and I have said it so many times, miscarriage is something I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. It's a whole different kind of torture. And it's not only the torture of a loss of a soul, but it's your loss of your future. Um, because it's insane how quickly you fall in love with a positive pregnancy test and then a heartbeat and your hopes and dreams of just what the future is going to look like. Um, the following Thursday, we went into the doctor and confirmed the miscarriage. And during that week, we had kind of gone back and forth because our family and friends knew we were pregnant. They knew we miscarried. And I, I'm a sharer. I have learned just from my past with PTSD and anxiety is that vulnerability is the only thing that can get me through things. And it makes me extremely uncomfortable. I hate being vulnerable, but that's where I find connection. And my husband was kind of going back and forth on if he wanted to share, or if he wanted to just to kind of feel things on his own, because he also is really good with his emotions. Um, but we just weren't sure because this was just something so big, like, and it wasn't an exciting thing. It wasn't like, Oh, we're getting married or we're pregnant. It's, hey, we uh, had our highest high and then the floor dropped out but, but under us. Um, but we did end up that week sharing after I found this miscarriage page um, in this podcast and I just realized how much connection there is there. And while we weren't alone, we felt alone because not a lot of people around us have experienced miscarriage. And so during that week, we ended up um, creating just a post on our regular social medias. and within an hour, we had almost a hundred people reach out to us either on the post or text or a call or whatever, um, just sending support and love and sharing their stories. And thankfully not in a way where it, it was kind of a comparison, but just the, Hey, I've been where you are. Like there is light at the end of the tunnel. I'm here. Um, the outcry of just love for us and in that week, we didn't believe we were ever going to survive this. We didn't think that we were going to move on. We just thought we were going to sit in despair and heartbreak. And we saved all those messages. And those, I really believe, are what got us through. Because I remember when I went to sleep in the middle of the night, I would just go through every single message and just feel that love. And it took a while for us to respond because it just it was one of those things where it's like we could feel the love, but we couldn't respond back. Um, and so really, honestly, our family and friends saved our lives. And I remember sitting there and I would say 95% of the messages were encouraging and everything. They were words that we didn't know we needed when we needed them. And then, of course, there's that 5% of people that just sometimes just don't know, maybe not out of it's not malicious, but just not knowing out of lack of experience of 
you're going to have more babies. Oh, it was just really early. Um, I know somebody who miscarried four or five times before they had their baby, or at least like, at least you didn't have to have a DNC or at least you didn't have to take medicine and, or I had two miscarriages, at least you've only had one. And so trying to be gracious in a shitty conversation was really hard, but we've also learned that sometimes people just legitimately don't know um, what to do. And so some of the things that we've learned, and I'm, I like to write, I like to reflect, um, even though it makes me uncomfortable, I like to put myself out there because it's, there's something really freeing about telling your story. And so the things that we've learned about all of this, because we're about a month out. And so one time does heal. Time itself isn't the healing, but giving yourself time to be a little less raw, being able to have the conversations, being able to self-reflect, it does work. And so the thing I want people to know is in those moments, in those really dark, scary moments where you don't think you're going to get up again, you will. And just to give yourself some grace. Um, and it's just, honestly, this loss sucks. This is the worst kind of loss I could have ever created in my head. I was actually just telling my sister yesterday, if I could think of the worst form of torture and the worst way to like break someone's heart, I couldn't have even imagined coming up with something like this of just losing a part of you. Um, it literally feels like you're drowning on, on fire, cemented to the ground with a train coming right at you. <laughs> and you don't think you'll survive it until you do. Because one day you just wake up and it's a little bit easier. It doesn't take it away, but it's just a little easier. And grief is so messy and it's so uncomfortable. But we forced ourselves into the discomfort because, like I said, we learned from the past that vulnerability was the best way for survival for us. Um, I was actually talking to a family friend who had also experienced miscarriage and her son is in my class. Um, and he's her rainbow baby. They have one older child they miscarried and then had their youngest child. Um, and she sent me this book. I, I'm going to butcher her name. It's Lisa Turkus, I think. Um, but she, it's her book about, it's not supposed to be this way. It's about disappointment and discouragement. Um, but she writes in there, God loves me too much to answer my prayers at any other time than the right time and in any other way than in the right way. And that's really resonated with me and I'm still pissed. I'm still mad. I feel like we got gypped, but I also know how good God is and I know there's something bigger and something better. And I right now just have to be okay with um, the way things are because we can't change it. And coming from someone with anxiety, my goal is not my goal, but my ideal situation is to control the situation. And with miscarriage, I've learned I have absolutely no control over what happens. I'm just along for the ride. And with that, honestly, the miscarriage might have been the best worst thing that has ever happened because I've given up that sense of control and I've given up that sense of like, I've experienced the worst thing that could possibly happen to me and we're surviving. And so I know, I know there's more to this story. I mean, I still wake up every day 
wanting to feel her in my stomach, wanting to feel like crap, wanting my boobs to hurt and to want to throw up everything and to have that future. But I also know she's waiting on the other side. Um, my lenses are definitely more cleared now. And I think my husband and I have a different perspective on life and what we want in life. Um, things that used to matter no longer matter. Uh, just petty things. And we wake up every day wanting to make our daughter proud. And I think that's what gets us through is one, we know God is good even when we don't understand. Um, and he's big enough to deal and to handle our emotions right now. And they're far less angry than they were, but it still comes up. But then also too, is now we have, we have many souls on the other side waiting for us, but we have the one that we want to meet. And so it gives us hope for the future. And we also know just with the support that we have that we could probably and honestly survive anything at this point because of how dark things were. So our story isn't over and our one day is coming and this is survivable, even if you don't think it is. You are an amazing speaker. <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but that was well, incredible. Thanks. I, uh, I don't love to do it, but I can pull it out when I need it. <laughs> this, I mean, this episode is so filled with advice that I honestly don't feel like I have to ask this, but I always ask at the end of every episode, if you have one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Oh, shoot. Um, my aunt told me um, this in one day because she had miscarried as well. She actually, so I guess it's my aunt's piece of advice. She said, the train of life is going to keep going, but we're not leaving you at the station. And I think obviously everybody's going to do things differently in how they share and process, but and I would never want someone to do something prematurely, but sharing has given me and my husband a lot of purpose and connectivity. Thank God for this podcast and this Facebook page, because literally it, in those dark moments, it, um, it just gave kind of the support that we needed from people that we didn't know that were just loving us where we're at. And so I think when someone goes through this, it's, not cliche, but it is kind of cliche to say, oh, you're not alone. But having someone that has been through it, even if you don't know them, it's a nice sense of community and support to know that you really are not alone. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if somebody wants to reach out to you, where can they do so? Um, I have my Instagram handle. It's private, but if someone follows or direct messages me I always look at them um, and it's just Rachel Bean R-A-Y-C-H-E-L-B-E-A-N and I am on Facebook too um, but I, it's just the same name so that's just it I don't have a whole lot of socials but it's just me and my Instagram page. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll link that in the description of this episode. So um, anybody oh, who can relate can reach out and just connect with you. Uh, thank oh, you awesome. so much, Rachel, for jumping on and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. I couldn't do it without you guys. So well, thank, thank you. you for sharing your story. Thank you for giving a platform to share and connect because it's definitely helping people survive. <laughs> Uh, good. All right. Well, best of luck. Keep us posted and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. Thank you.